Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Exurga deus disipentur inimicius et fugiancio derunteum a facieus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <clears throat> Today's episode is going to take a slightly different turn. I'm going to try and hit two topics, not simultaneously, but through the course of this episode. The first one is a topic that I don't typically approach because I don't honestly like approaching church politics. It gets to be pretty hinky. There's a lot of hot blood related to it. A lot of people pulling in a lot of different directions. The second topic... The second topic was recommended to me by a listener, and I had an opportunity to watch the documentary. And it was startling, to say the least. If a little extra poetic. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas deprecamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum detrude. Amen. Cor Jesus agratissimum miserere nobis, Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Sancti Iosif, ora pro nobis, Beatus Carolus Doma Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Imagolato Coceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filio et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> Spurred on in part by Dr. Anthony Stein's podcast for today, the 21st of April, as I'm recording this, he made some observations about, uh, well, in particular with an interview with um, Pope Francis and a couple of other observations, in particular, like the fact that Bishop Warfel of Great Falls Billings who is actually the bishop of the diocese in which I live. Um, Who, by the way, is not quite as modernist as, say, you know, Supich. There are still traditional Latin mass communities within our diocese. Um, I haven't found them yet, but they're, they're here. And, well, the Diocese of Billings and Great Falls is fairly large, so wouldn't be terribly surprising. Anyhow, Bishop Warfel signed on to the letter of that one letter that was challenging the German Synod, the Synod of uh, the Synodal Path. And if you recall, that letter actually was talking about how the 
synodal path, the synodal way that they were that they were moving down towards was putting the church at risk of schism. Now, for the Sedificantists out there, the schism is already passed, at least as they as they see it. Of course, simultaneously, those who are not Sedificantists look at the Sedificantists and say, hey, man, you're in schism. So, I mean, you know. The rest of the Catholic world looks at the Society of St. Pius X and says, hey, aren't you guys in schism? And, I mean, really, the only actual, like, legit declared schism is between the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox. So there's a lot to say about schism. A lot of little heresies that we like to throw at each other. <clears throat> or I should say, a lot of little accusations of heresy that we like to throw at each other. And, uh, let's be real, many of them are probably true. The, the good doctor um, actually uh, made an observation, and the observation appears that there's a fracturing among the modernist faction within the Catholic Church, which is to say the Novus Ordo, there's there seems there appears to be somewhat of a fracture amidst the Novus Ordites. There are the ones who are sort of moderate, who are trying to hold on to unity, knowing that you've got the more tradition the more conservative Catholics who just want the Catholic Church to kind of stay the way it's always been for them, um, even if the way it's always been for them has been you know, relatively new, like only since the Second Vatican Council. Um, but they do want the church to stay the Catholic church. Like, they still want the church to stay Catholic. Um, and, you know, obviously, if you're, not a, if you're not a part of the modernist team, then you're looking and you're going, hey, guys, you guys already aren't Catholic. Now, Dr. Stein separated, looked, made the observation that it appears that there are at least two factions among the modernists who are trying to maintain control of the institutional church. And then beyond that, you also have the traditionalist. You can't even really call us a faction because we're not. I mean, there's groups of us. Um, you know, I find much more in common between between me and Eric Gajewski and Mike from Restoring the Faith and Kennedy Hall and Ryan Grant and, you know, Steve Cunningham over at Census Fidelium. Um you know, and Dr. Anthony Stein, of course, um, and even Trad Patrick. There's much more common between all of us as as diverse and varied as all of our opinions are. And it and mind you, Taylor Marshall and Patrick Coffin are in that boat as well. Um, but there's much more in common between like that whole side of Catholicism than there seems to be in common across Catholicism between obviously the traditional Catholic and then the more modernist Catholic, the Novus Ordo Catholic, and even the pedal-to-the-metal modernism-all-the-way Catholic, who really isn't Catholic pretty much at all, but has charge of the institutions. I don't think it's schism. The Catholic Church appears to me in chrysalis. People don't usually use the word chrysalis all that often. So I'm going to take a moment to um, sort of describe. I'm not going to use a textbook definition. We're, we're just going to describe. So if, well, no, actually, I'm not even going to know if. So a caterpillar before it becomes a butterfly, you know, while it's still in larva form, it, it will take some time out and it will weave for itself a cocoon. This cocoon, when it's complete, is called a chrysalis. The Catholic Church is currently in chrysalis. We weren't in larval form, to be sure. Um, it did... <laughs> It's not like, oh, hey, the, you know, the Catholic Church for 1900 years, oh, that was, you know, that was the larval form of the Catholic Church. No, 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 no. We were brought to completion by Christ. For us, you could say that the process kind of goes backwards. But it only goes backwards so far. Because a chrysalis could also be described as 
the ashes from the phoenix. <clears throat> the old body sort of dies away in fire, and then the ashes crack, and out of the fire comes a phoenix. You know, comes the brand new bird. Those ashes are still the chrysalis. You know, before the phoenix breaks out, it is still the chrysalis. The Catholic Church today is in chrysalis. The, that co the cocoon in which the church is still appears to be the church. But it's just the facade. It's the exterior. It's, you know, the mitres and some of the cathedrals and, you know, the bit and the hierarchy, the bishops and the, and the and the cardinals and all of that stuff. And everything is still functioning. But all of that's going to die. All of that's going to. It's not going to fade away. It actually, uh, according to prophecy, is going to be hammered out and exterminated pretty harsh. But it can only happen like that because the phoenix itself is already passing. The modernists, whether or not they know this, and many of the traditionalists, not all, but many of the traditionalists, those of us who are still trying to find ways to wrestle control of Holy Mother Church and get it back in the hands of someone pious, We're part of the outer shell that's about to be cast away. And it's going to be cast away because it has to be. Because the Catholic Church is not legislation. It's not law. It's not structure. It's not... It is not the hierarchy that it follows. The hierarchy it follows because it follows that which God created in nature. But the hierarchy is not the church. And so when the hierarchy dies, the new church is born. And I know what I'm saying has a lot of room for misinterpretation. And if your eyes are closed, cool. If you're going to misinterpret it, fine. I'm not even going to further describe it. Because if you know, you know. The church is undergoing her passion right now. But what happens? All of that which is dead, consumed by sin, defaced by sin, scarred by sin, wounded by sin, all of that is going to fall away. It's going to be purged. It's going to be purged. And the only thing that's going to be left is the fresh baby new skin and a new body that's what the prophecy says that the old flesh is going to die away and the new flesh is going to be born from it like a phoenix from the ashes that's holy mother church it lives it dies, it lives again. There are, of course, some processes that it undergoes, and it looks certainly not the way we thought it would. But as it was in the days of Arius, they have the buildings, but we have the faith. Is canon law going to be renewed? Who knows? It's my personal opinion, much of canon law is probably going to be swept away. Those of us who are holding on, what are we holding on to? We're not holding on to that big green book, the Catholic Catechism, or the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the big green book published in the 90s and since edited, edited completely into heresy, into cafeteria Catholicism. We're holding on to the Roman Catechism. We're holding on to the Catechism of St. Pius X. We're holding on to the Baltimore Catechism. We're holding on to that which came before. And whether it's the Baltimore Catechism or the Catechism of Pius X or the Roman Catechism, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, the core is there. And it's unified. 
through those. The Baltimore Catechism, the Catechism of St. Pius X, and the, and the Roman Catechism, they're unified. They have different formats because, of course, the Baltimore Catechism and the Catechism of St. Pius X are in the question and answer format, whereas the Roman Catechism is simply the faith expressed in the, same, in, in, in the similar format to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Big Green Book, but without all the extra verbiage that just tosses you off into messing it up. Traditionalists, by and large, hold on to the older catechisms. Key, thanks to Father David Nix and Dr. Taylor Marshall and many others, the Catechism of St. Pius X, which is, which is an ideal question-answer format, and the, catechism, and the Roman Catechism, the Catechism of Trent, those by and large, are the cores that are being held on to. The, cate- the Roman Catechism does not talk about laws. It does not talk about punishment. It does not talk about any of that stuff. It talks about the expectations and what a Catholic must believe and what they must do. It doesn't talk about the punishments because that doesn't get anybody anywhere. We all understand what the punishments are for violating what the Catholic should believe and what the Catholic should do. We all know If we go to confession, then the, then the punish then the punishments aren't really punishments, but you but you spend some time in purgatory cleaning all that nonsense off. And that's the important part. And that's the core of what we have to believe. Now there are other dogmas that have been introduced since the Roman Catechism, and all of us who are traditionalists. We carry that on typically by word of mouth. We talk about Our Lady. We talk about Our Lady of Fatima. We talk about Akita and Hida and Nock. We talk about Cabejo. We talk about about Garabandal. Even though Garabandal, I mean, you know, some people question it and some people, you know, are all in. I'm kind of 50-50 with it because I don't know that much about it. We talk about Lepanto. We talk about La Virgen de Guadalupe. We talk, we talk about um, Our Lady of Buen Suceso de la Purificación. We talk about the apparitions, and so we carry forward that dogma, that doctrine, that, that dogma that has been defined. We carry forward the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, even though it's not defined in the Roman Catechism. We know that we know that Marian dogma is necessary for Catholicity. So it doesn't have to be written down. We can talk about it. Maybe we should write it down. I don't know. But we have the seeds with which to carry forward. We have books like The Liturgical Year by, Father, by Dom Garoulou Lagrange. We have... The writings of Dom Prosper Garanger. We have the Summa Theologica. We have all we have all of the seeds that we need in us to carry forth the faith and to pass it on to our children. And what happens with the hierarchy? That's completely with the hierarchy. They want to burn themselves to the ground. Guess what? God's going to let them. And as painful as it's going to be to watch, and obviously we should be praying against it praying trying to stop it praying that people will see their you know their conversion before it's taken too far simultaneously every last one of us knows that ultimately it's in God's hands and God will dispense with us and his church how he wishes it's not in our power to make the determination it really is not and we understand that which is why months ago when I said that I believe the Pope to be a heretic, I also couched that with, and it doesn't matter. Because the Pope's heresy, or a Cardinal's heresy, or a Bishop's heresy, or a Priest's heresy, they're not my heresy. They're not a reason for me to suffer in pain, they're a reason for me to try to intercede, for me to offer penance, for me to try to score enough graces for them for their conversion. 
But all of that changes not one whit, not one jot or one tittle of what it is that I should do as a Catholic. It doesn't matter. Freaking Father James Martin could be elected the next pope. Which, be, which would be a horrifying thing because it would be two Jesuit popes right in a row. And not the good Jesuits like they were under, under St. Ignatius of Loyola. Like they were when they were the hammers of heretics. <sighs> but that also becomes quite obvious because a Jesuit should never be pope. Because it's in their constitution to never seek higher office to stay away from it but it doesn't matter if the jesuits end up taking taking the entirety of the of the vatican and the curia it really does not matter it does not matter if the next pope is cardinal blaise supich or cardinal wilton gregory I could run down the list. There's a long list of people that I really would not want to see in the papacy. <clears throat> in point of fact, actually, I don't know any bishop or cardinal on earth that I would want to see in the papacy. There are a couple of exceptions close to, anyway. I'm nearly to the point with a couple, with a couple of notable names. But I see the exterior body, the dead flesh of the church festering, leprotic, decaying. Because that's what institutions do. That's what the human institution does, is it, is it decays and it goes necrotic and it dies and it peels away. And sometimes there's something besides dead flesh under it, and sometimes there's not. For example, there is no living flesh beneath the dead flesh that was America. There are people, to be sure. There are good people, to be sure. But there is no living flesh. America is not going to be reborn when this current sequence of events carries its way through to the end. And I pray I'm wrong because I've lived here my whole life. But neither do I want to see another country decide that it's its turn to stand atop the mountain and to govern from the top of the tower. And for all of our so-called humility, that's exactly what we've done in this country. There's a part of me that believes that we are fortunate that there really were no principles that this country was founded upon. You say, oh, you don't believe in the Bill of Rights? No, I don't. There's only one, there's only one clause in the Bill of Rights that I'm full, fully for. One. It's the Second Amendment. Freedom of religion? I'm Catholic. Error has no rights. I don't believe in freedom of religion. Freedom of speech? I'm Catholic. You are free to speak the truth. Lies have no rights. So I don't believe in free speech. Freedom of the press? Again, refer to freedom of speech. Freedom of assembly? Error has no rights. And the erroneous particularly the notorious, have no right, have, should have no right to assemble. That's how we end up with wars like the Huguenots and the Cathars and, and the Albigensians and all the other heresies and all the other craziness that's gone on. It has been because we said, okay, you know what? It's not that serious. We're not really going to press the case. And then they pop up, they rise up, and they think, and then they think they're smarter and occasionally it works, vis-a-vis -vis like Martin Luther and Jan Hus and John Calvin and all the other idiots. So I don't believe in freedom of assembly. I 
It's not to say I'm going to interfere with someone's assembly, but I don't believe that you have freedom of assembly. And the right to petition your government of redress uh, for redress of grievances. I mean, you could have the right all day long, I guess. But how many grievances have been justly redressed in the history of our country? For maybe perhaps it's just a platitude. And the same thing that accosts the right to petition your government for redress of grievances actually applies to all of the other amendments in the Bill of Rights. You talk about it all day long, but until I see it in action, I don't believe it's a thing. And so long as people can deny it, for whatever reason they decide, so long as it can be denied and you have a finite number of ways to, to, to achieve it, to actually achieve the objective. See, the fact is, is that the government was always able to just say no. As all of those people who went to the Capitol on January 6th of 2021 are now finding out. Those several, I think it's almost, I think it's still over 100 people. I think it might be as many as 400 people. But those dozens of people who still have not had a chance to see their lawyer, who were still basically in solitary confinement, who still haven't had family visits, who still haven't had their day in court, are quickly finding out that you can believe in the right to all of those things all day long. They have the right to all of those things, to be sure. But the reality doesn't express itself. The fact is, is that the government to whom they are sending up their petitions has simply said no. And as long as that's possible, what do you believe in? You believe in vapor. And because of that, the fact remains that none of those things are built on a principle. They're built on an idea, which is not the same. And maybe they're, and maybe they're lofty, you know, warm, fuzzy, cush, pretty ideas, you know, adorable little ideas like that, like a six-week-old puppy. But they're just as fragile as that six-week-old puppy. A fact a lot of people in China are learning about as we speak. I believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the creed, things that have happened, that have proven themselves time and time again. A republic? It's just men. Democracy? It's just bad men. Monarchy? Again, still men. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes not so much, but they tend to be more good than bad. Certainly are more good than, you know, any politician currently in power on earth today. And the church, the hierarchy, the bishops, the successors to the apostles who have, for the most part, neglected their vows a fact that they will pay for most dearly. They've become festering and leprotic. They've become necrotic. They've become decaying. They are old. 
They are old, they're weak, and they're not up to the task. And when they're swept away, or burned away, I think is actually the more accurate. When they're burned away, baby smooth, fresh, virile, and strong flesh will remain. All that is dead and decaying will be gone, and all that is quick and living will remain. Is it going to suck? Yes. Is it going to look the way we expect? Probably not. Does that mean we lose faith? Absolutely not. They're just men. We don't actually need a saint among them to be saints ourselves. So be sure, so to be sure, pray for the church. Pray for the conversion of these men. They're all much closer to their eternal reward than I, unless God comes and scoops me up like in five minutes. Through the, <laughs> assuming we all live out a full natural life, they are much closer to heaven or hell. They're much closer to their judgment and their final reward than most of the rest of us, myself included. So pray for their conversion. It's in the intentions of my rosaries. It's in the intentions of every prayer. Just like just like some reparation for those who have already gone before. Now, 30 minutes, that's good enough. I think that's enough to say about the church. And I think you guys got the idea. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The documentary. So I got the link, or not the link, I actually got the, I got the title of the documentary. The title of the documentary is called Watch the Water. And I had one moment that I actually sprung up out of my chair and I had to pause the video and walk around and step outside and smoke because it was that overwhelming. 
For those of you who are unaware, you can actually find it on odyssey.com. That would be where I recommend that you go because Odyssey is just a host and they don't interfere with things like that. And so you can actually watch the documentary, Watch the Water, on Odyssey. And I recommend that you do. You're probably not going to agree with all of it there. Some of it you're going to look and go, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I'm a Catholic and they're talking about the battle between good and evil. And in terms, I'm looking, I'm going, I wonder how much he's aware. Many, many moons ago, before I even started a podcast, I actually had a falling out with another Catholic right around the same point. About the coronavirus. Because it was something that just stuck out. It stuck in my craw that we would have a virus. A crown virus. And the reason why it stuck in my craw was because at, at, at the same time that I was coming to fully under, like begin, well, not fully, getting to the point where I understand now the level of Christ the kingship thing, like that whole thing, my understanding of that, my, my devotion to that was just beginning to bud right around that same time. And so the idea of a virus being crowned really just bothered me. Obvious reasons. And so I said, there's no way that we should be allowing a virus to rule the world, which is exactly what the world did. We surrendered our sovereignty to a virus. And it may have even been the myth of a virus, because that's the other thing that's really kind of disturbing. And that was the battle of good and evil thing that I immediately saw. And I, and I kind of held on to that. And so that informed all of the rest of it. The government come out and say, Hey, you need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. The government come out and say, Hey, don't do that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to go do that. <clears throat> the research that went into this thing is incredible. The conclusions that they draw are nearly unbelievable until you sort of glance across all of the quote unquote conspiracy theories that have come out, you know, the, the, the MRNA vaccine altering your DNA and things like that. Like when you, when you have the whole when you have all of those little facts that have been hovering around your head as you get, you know, a little bit from over here and a little bit from over there, and you're trying to put it together in a single tapestry, this guy manages to make, to do a really good job in putting it together in a single tapestry. But he also ties in something shocking. It was not the thing that got me up out of my seat, but it was shocking. Do you go to a hospital when you've been bitten by a snake to get anti-venom? That was the thing. That was, that was like one of the, you look and you go, well, of course I get bit by a snake. I go to a hospital. I get anybody like you get the, you get the anti-venom. And then he kind of went down the list of everything. And there was a brief period of time when I was studying snake venom. <laughs> Weird to say, but there was a brief period of time when I was studying snake venom. I'd gotten kind of a... <sighs> What's the word I'm looking for? It was just one of those... You know, you look and you go, wow, that seems really interesting. I should look more into it. And so I did. You know, I got 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 a couple of facts, fact, you know, little facts that kind of came up. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I should probably look into that. And so I did. It was many, many years ago. I was in Afghanistan. Afghanistan is a place where kids will collect up king cobras will capture baby king cobras and put them in little plastic bottles and they'll play with them like toys. 
baby king cobras. <laughs> yeah. There was another word that actually kept coming up in the uh, in the documentary was crate. I don't know how to spell it, but judging by the way it was pronounced in a couple of different ways, I'm assuming that it was that it was probably K R A Y T. I don't know for sure, but it just kind of popped up like that. I took a second to look it up. It's actually K-R-A-I-T. <clears throat> but yeah, the crate and the cobra. Very deadly, very deadly venom. Oh, I remember around the time. It was right around the time the Kill Bill came out because I was looking into the Black Mamba. <clears throat> and I was looking at some of the things that snake venom does, you know, to the human body. And I didn't even put it together, to be perfectly honest with you, because I looked in, I mean, when did Kill Bill came out? I think it came back out, came out in like, <clears> oh, <throat> nine, 2010, 2007. Who, who the heck knows? It's a, it's an older movie. It's been a while. And I just kind of looked into it briefly. I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And I looked a little more and then, you know, it was 10, almost 15 years ago. So, <clears throat> so I didn't really put it all together. And there's some things you're going to want to look into. I'm honestly, I'm not going to spill all the beans. I will, I will say that snakes, snake venom, they're related. The spike proteins, the vaccines, the mRNA technology, um, the treatments such as remdesivir, everything that the government said was okay. Now, I'm not willing to impute the evil that he imputes on the government in the same manner. Governments are evil, obviously. It's kind of what they do. The... I don't know the heart of most of the people who are making all of the decisions. I have a pretty basic idea about Anthony Fauci and the World Health Organization. I've got a basic idea of the people like Bill Gates. I've got a basic idea about them where they kind of have this targeted goal and, and they, don't, they don't really comprehend exactly how evil their ideas are. They don't really understand that these are that they are the people that you should put in rubber rooms and cells and lock them up for the rest of their lives, assuming that you don't kill them. They are among those people. Anybody who spends, you know, $8,000 for a youth treatment in Silicon Valley, hey, guess what? That youth treatment is actually derived from the blood of the poor people. Literally derived from the blood of the poor people. In many cases, the treatments are literally simply the injection of young people's blood into older people. It's diabolical. It's vampiric. You don't notice it because it's in a needle. Or it's a patch that you put on your skin. Or it's, you know, some sort of tool that doesn't seem, that does not, you know, it doesn't look like a blood-sucking vampire. And so you don't really correlate it. But it is a blood-sucking vampire. The treatments, the stem cell research, the particular, not all stem cell research, but the, particularly the stem cell research that has to do with aborted babies, the embryonic stem cell research, that stuff kind of evil. The things that nobody likes to talk about, like adrenochrome, kind of evil. By the way, if you don't think adrenochrome is real, I gotta be honest with you, neither do I. It seems too outlandish. But five months ago, vampires were too outlandish. A couple of years ago, the World Economic Forum was too outlandish. 
The idea that there was a world government summit or a summit for people who advise all of the leaders around the world on how they can, you know, be more dictatorial. I mean, they don't spin it like that. They don't say it like that, but they were more than willing to call themselves the elites. Even the idea that one of, quote, the elites would have the audacity to refer to themselves as the elite. All of that was outlandish. The idea that the FBI would spy on an American president, outlandish. The idea that the entire institute of the American state would conspire to defeat a president, the idea that a social media company would un would deplatform a sitting president. All of these things were outlandish. We have been living in the land of outlandishness for years. You want to look at outlandish? Look at the White House. Look at our president. Look at the vice president. Look at the president's kids, the president's family. And then ask yourself, why isn't this dude in prison? Why aren't his family members in prison? Why hasn't the state seized all of their crap and locked them up? Why is nobody looking into the idea that maybe these people should be seeing more than just lockup? Maybe they should be seeing a firing squad. And it's not just them. There's a whole slew of people. Everybody who's beaten the war drum trying to get us involved in Ukraine in a much more kinetic manner than we already are. And they're taken step by step by step like, they're, like there's not eventually going to be a point where it's like, okay, now we're in nuclear war. Oh, but that's crazy talk. Really, is it? Because all of these people are the same people who sit in TED Talks where Bill Gates talks about reducing the size of the population by 10 to 15% using birth control, using abortion, and using what? Vaccines. We've kind of gone past the, oh, that's crazy talk. Because as it rolls out, what do we get? We get, well, okay, we're not doing anything that's actually causing the price of gasoline to go up. No, we didn't actually shut down a major pipeline. We didn't actually lock up all of the leases. We didn't actually basically tamp down. And oh yeah, by the way, we didn't spend like a year and a half talking about how we were going to completely bankrupt and shut down and eliminate the fossil fuel industries altogether. Was there ever a time when you thought you'd turn on the news and your first thought when you were looking at them was, man, how do I know what they're talking about isn't totally Pravda? You know, whether you're on the left and it's Fox News or you're on the right and it's everybody else, or you're actually Catholic and it's all of them all together. <laughs> Was there ever a time that these outlandish things should have ever been real? Like, was there a time, like, could you see yourself, let's back up. For those of you who are old enough, in 2004, 2005, did you support the Iraq war? Did you ever think that the left's mantra of Bush lied, people died would actually be real? I mean, forget even if you didn't support it. Did you like Were you really fully on board with that dumbass mantra? Are you not now at a point when you look kind of side give, you know, give the whole 9/11 narrative the side eye? Because if you're not, you should be. Was it an inside job? I don't know. Pearl Harbor, we know, was kind of an inside job. It wasn't fully an inside job, but it was kind of an inside job. And we know this. The sinking of the Maine. 
It was probably an accident, but nobody wanted to find out, and so we went into the Spanish-American War. The Lusitania. What the heck was the Lusitania doing? By the way, the Lusitania, for those of you who don't know, that's actually what got us into World War I. How does that even make sense? A German U-boat just happened to sink a, a, commercial, a, a commercial sailing vessel? That may or may not have been carrying heavy weapons? I mean, I just, like, legit, I just went back 125 years, 100 and, uh, 125, 130 years. 130 years. False flag, the Maine. False flag, the Lusitania. False flag, Pearl Harbor. You really think 9-11 wasn't a false flag? Iraq? I know for some of you, I'm challenging the heck out of you. For others of you, you're going, yep, 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 because you actually know. Some of this stuff I know isn't really common knowledge. Like, you kind of got to be, <laughs> you got to kind of got to be a little bit investigative. But remember the main, to hell with Spain, was revealed that it was, an in, that it was a false flag operation, very likely, in 1975. Oh, but the government wouldn't ever do that sort of stuff to its own citizens, which is why we have the Tuskegee experiment, which is why we have MK Ultra. The government would never be that evil. The drug companies, the drug companies wouldn't possibly. Wait a minute. Are you sure? Johnson and Johnson just paid out a billion a multi-billion dollar settlement for specifically targeting African American women with carcinogenic Baby powder. All for profit. Twitter bans the New York Post, who exposes the Hunter Biden laptop, which connects all of the dots. The Hunter Biden laptop connects all the dots between Joe Biden and Ukraine, over which the president, the sitting president, got impeached. Which was obviously not Joe Biden at the time. <laughs> all of these things should be considered, like, no joke, as I'm saying them, they should all be false. If this was a just world, they would all be false. But they are not. We know the CDC has been lying. They lied about the masks. Fauci lied about that. He said, oh, <clears throat> I mean, think about it. He either lied when he said, don't wear a mask because it's not going to protect you. Or he lied when he said, you need to wear two masks. And I've told you on this program, on, the, on this podcast, that I was trained in biological warfare. And the masks that we've been wearing for the last two years aren't the masks that you have to wear to protect yourself from an airborne biological agent. So if you run down the list that they lied about the vaccine, they lied about the virus, they lied about, they've pretty much lied about everything that they've ever said. When they say that a politician is lying when, only when he opens his mouth, you should need to add to that that a bureaucrat is lying only when they open their mouth. That if they come out and they say, you should do this or you should do that, then you need to look at them with the side eye and go, I'm going to do my own research, thank you. And then you better do the research or commit. Commit one way or the other. Do the research. And if you're not going to do the research, then pick a side and commit and go with it. Just don't go with it to the point where you look like a moron two years later. Unless, of course, you have purple hair and you, again, you can't decide whether or not you're a boy or a girl. In which case, by all means, commit wholeheartedly. Eventually, hellfire will come for you. And I'm not talking about the missiles. 
the thing that knocked me out of my, that got me out of my chair, <laughs> that unironically got me out of my chair and caused me to step outside and smoke a cigarette so I could wrap my brain around the whole thing, was the fact that my smoking may have saved my life. We've had multiple COVID outbreaks at my job. Uh, Actually, since I was working there, we've had multiple COVID outbreaks. I've worked in very, very close proximity And the funny thing about it is, is that there are two things that I never do. I almost never drink water. And when I do drink water, it's bottled water. I almost always drink something that has been processed in some way, shape or form. So beer, wine, soda, juices of various forms, coffee, I practically live on coffee, tea, almost never drink water, and I smoke. And if you went down the list of everybody who got COVID at my job, none of them smoke. Not one. One of my close friends has actually been hit by COVID several times. He's he's gotten it several times. He's gotten the vaccine, the whole nine yards. Like he's been through the whole deal. He, you know, he bought it. He bought in most of it. Most of it. I mean, he didn't do the mask unless he had to because he thought that part was stupid because he and I are both trained in, you know, he and I were both veterans. So I think it really all it took was pointing out. I was like, hey man, you remember NBC? Not the TV station, nuclear, biological, chemical weapons training. It's like, is this not stupid? I mean, don't, you know, if it's a biological agent, don't we normally wear more than just, you know, a a piece of fabric across our face? And we worked in very close proximity with each other. I mean, we were within the six feet for most of the day, for most of the time we worked together. I was within three feet in an airplane that was not flying because we were doing maintenance on it. So the air, so the air conditioning systems were off within three feet of every single person in my building who managed in, in, in my, at my job who managed to get COVID. Now I wasn't the only one. There were others of us. Not all of us got took out. Most of us didn't, most of us didn't get took out. But the one thing that was common, actually, with every single person in my job who got, like, all of them, of all of the people who got COVID at my job, only one did I not spend any significant amount of time nearby. Only one. All the rest, I was, you know, I was working alongside. And I may have actually been saved by the fact that I smoked. I didn't even think about it. Didn't even occur to me. I take a, I take multivitamins, or I should say multiple vitamins. I supplement with the lacking parts of my diet with, with the vitamins that I know I need. And ironically, I smoke. Watch the water. It was put up by Stu Peters. You can find it on Odyssey. I don't know how much of it I believe. I don't know how it fits into the whole picture. 
And that's because I don't know. But I don't know if I'm willing to believe it. Like it's literally this is one of those where if it's true, I don't want to believe it because it means so much more. Because it is actually because then it, it does actually put things in a perspective that is so much worse when it comes to particular people. Because you're talking about you're not you're talking about high crimes on a global scale, and that's a really big deal. When you got into the spiritual aspect of it, yes, I knew that from the start. To be sure, I'm recommending this to you, and some of you will glom on to some of the things that are maybe a little bit more outlandish. Maybe. Maybe you'll glom on to them. Maybe they're more outlandish. That may be actually applied to both parts of that statement. But I know what he said regarding the scientific data. I know that was true. That meshed with that meshed with much of th- with a whole bunch of stuff that I already knew. So the data part fits. I don't know how I feel about his presentation, but such is life. Both of these things are true. Both of the topics that I discussed today are true. Yes. The church is the church is moving into a state of chrysalis. And the Phoenix gonna is gonna be reborn because Christ promised. Our Lady promised. And they're not liars. And the other part is also true. There are maybe tens of thousands of people in the United States alone who need to be hauled in front of a, who, who, in all honesty, I don't even want to hear them lie. I don't want to. I know that if you call them forward, they're probably going to lie. They're very likely going to lie. And when they lie, I'm probably, just, you know, <laughs> and we could skip it altogether and just go straight to the firing squad. You'll have an idea who they are. They'll give themselves up eventually. They're the same ones walking us into war and selling us a whole bunch of crap that we're supposed to feed our kids, both ideologically and more biologically. For those of you who understood that there was something more going on, but you couldn't quite put your hands up, put your fingers on it, that documentary is going to be good for you. For those of you, well, let's face it. If you're listening to this podcast, here's here's who you're not. You're not somebody who actually buys into the bullcrap. If you still listen to this podcast, if you're still up, if you're an hour into this podcast and you haven't switched this off going, oh my God, this guy's full of crap, then chances are, Nothing is going to push you too far when it comes to when it comes to this particular documentary. If you made it this far, then chances are you're going to be open to it, and chances are you're going to find out something that you did not know before. And some of the science that's related is going to be stuff that you did not know before. And for that, it's worth it. Can we draw conclusions about what these people have done? Yes, because we've seen it. Can you draw conclusions about who these people are? Yes, because we've seen it. Because we've talked about it. Because you've been, because in all seriousness, if you've been to, like, if you've been up along with this podcast, then you were here when we were talking about the World Economic Forum. You were here when we were talking about Bill Gates. You were here when we were talking about the rampant corruption in the drug industry. You were here when we were talking about the destruction of the justice system and the breaking it and breaking it away from anything that even remotely resembles justice. You were here for all of this, so just come with me for one more. And while you're at it, pray for your nation. Pray for your people. Pray for the church. And pray for all of us who are all just trying to make our way through this world and hopefully not drop a whole bunch of people off a cliff or down into a ditch 
or into the or into the pits of Gehenna. Pray that we can stay on the on the straight and narrow. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.